Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall, as I interview leaders in the bar industry. We'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. Want a one-stop shop for all your bar needs? Over the past few years, Bar Where You Are has continued to evolve to offer something for every bar enthusiast out there. Through their ever-growing on-demand workout library, weekly live stream options, small in-person classes, and multiple instructor trainings and workshops, Bar Where You Are strives to deliver joy, accessibility, and a sense of community. Oh, and did I mention their super cute bar swag for all you bar babes? Head over to www.barwhereyouaresc.com to check out all they have going on and use promo code BVBWYA for 10% off. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news for those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. has apparel designed for and inspired by bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, you'll be happy to know they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of the bar world. Check out their go-to line of screen-printed goodies including workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. Plus, they've recently introduced digital products including creative resources for bar professionals and studio owners to take the guesswork out of what to post online so you can spend more time managing your business and less time worrying about what you're going to post on Instagram. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Are you a social bar butterfly or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy-now-pay-later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. All right, Bar Variations podcast listeners, I've got a great exclusive deal for you. I know one thing for sure, and that's that we all have too many grippy socks in our closet, but we can't get enough. So (laughs) the Point Studio has offered you, the listeners, a discount on their amazing grippy socks. They're the next best thing from being barefoot. You get 15% off your order with the code BAR VARIATIONS. That's code BAR VARIATIONS, all one word, to receive 15% off your next purchase at pointstudio.com.
Hi, listeners. Welcome to the podcast. I am here today with bar legends, Elizabeth Halfpap and Fred DeVito, creators of Core Bar Fit. Hi, guys. Welcome. Thanks for having us on, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that the listeners are probably sitting there like clapping their hands in excitement to hear both of you. Um, You bring so much knowledge and history to the table. So I'm very excited to kind of dive in with you guys today. Um, But always my first question to all my interviewees is where did you get your start with movement? And I know we're going to cross paths a little bit, but I'll have you guys each answer um, first. You want to start? Sure. So my movement started, began when I was five years old. My mother enrolled me in ballet school because she had to do something with all this energy that I had. Yeah. Movement started for me back at the age of five with my ballet classes. Great. Great. Love it. Love it. Love it. And how about you, Fred? Probably when I was five, six or seven, probably seven. My kind of come from an athletic family and they were all sports oriented. So I sort of fell right into that pocket uh, of playing sports at an early age, uh, organized team sports. And then all through my high school career was also sports. And that's actually where Liz and I met in high school. (gasps) Oh my God, high school sweethearts. I love it even more. Oh my goodness. I was a sophomore. Fred was a senior. I was uh, a leader. He was a football player. Guys, dreams come history. true. Dreams uh, come true. I am of the generation of all the rom-coms and it's like, no, it can happen. My mom's like, no, she's like 70s hippie. She's like, doesn't happen. You proved it. It can happen, guys. Uh, you know, it's some, it was so easy. It just didn't, it was not an effort. We just felt compatible and we we nurtured a relationship, even though sometimes it was long distance. So we went to school in different cities and we lived in different cities for a while during our courtship, but we always managed to keep a connection and we had a long-term plan to eventually be together. We just had to patiently wait for things to fall into place, mm. but it did. And um, Liz's college uh, education is in dance education. She was schooled in dance. Mm. In ballet and yeah. And I was schooled. I was schooled in physical education, and I was a physical education teacher for five years before I got into group fitness. And also, a career as a string bass player. I've been a bass player, jazz bass player for forty years. So my musical career and my movement career both went hand in hand. And Liz's ballet career—they were both growing at the same time. See, it doesn't get better than that. You can be like Fred. Please play the bass while I dance. Like I would totally like my husband's a comedian. So I would make him host all my events. I'm like, you'll be funny. Everyone will love you. So we'll talk about partnership and kind of how that played a role in your relationship. And also obviously your businesses and your business ventures together. Um, but it is so great, like to have that privilege of your parents kind of starting you at a young age to just appreciate movement and what that can do for you mentally and physically. And, um, you know, having my own kid now and knowing that I have an influence early on of like, I, I'm not a sporty gal, I'm a dancer. And so I'm like, well, he's going to dance at some point. Cause I'm just, I'm just going to have to like, you, you can't not, I'm also of the generation of like everything's gender neutral and like well I mean but I don't have a girl so uh I'm gonna be (laughs) so it's funny it's like doesn't matter how hard you try to not 
taint that slate or to like impose your own stuff on them, it just happens, right? It's like, how do you expose them? And they, and then they can decide what they like and not. So I love hearing uh, that people get started so young and, um, and it certainly stuck with you. And you answered my question of when did you two meet? I dated his best friend and then we broke up and then we, we got together. I yeah. love it. I love it. I, so, I mean, obviously both have focus, right? That, that comes across immediately that, you know, what you want, you have the patience and you know how to get those steps. Right. So it's, it's funny. And I know, uh, Fred, like you are now working together. And so as a dancer myself, I at one point had a boyfriend that was a dancer. And so I just want to know from you two being of maybe the more competitive side and athletics and just the competition and dance in general, did competition ever come into play for the two of you? And if so, how did you manage that? Not for me. Liz well, always. <laughs> she's like, yeah. This is highly competitive. Well, of course, you know, I'm an only child. Okay. Right? okay. And, um, so you never had anyone to compare yourself to. But, um, you know, being in the dance world, as you know, Michelle also is very competitive. And um, because it's a very short time span mm -hmm. to really determine what you'll be doing in the, you know, whether you'll be performing, teaching. So, I have a little more slight competitive edge to me than Fred. Um, and I think that's why we work really well together. But that competitive edge also, uh, you know, transforms into how bad, how good can these classes be? How can mm -hmm. we make these classes the best that they can be for our clients? Mm -hmm. Educate them and give them the details, you know, with, with ballet and my dance education. It was all about the details. I studied Vaganova, which was- Yeah, very detailed. Eight count pirouette you're learning. Um, so that translated over into our classes and we really pride ourselves just on the position and alignment along with the musicality. Sure. Yeah, I mean, self-improvement is in a sense, as you're saying, is a little bit of competition, but self-competitive, um, you know, and as I said before, I'm not very sporty, but there are certain- things I, you know, I did gymnastics and that my brother was a runner and there was always something for me, it wasn't necessarily, but what everybody else was doing. It was like, can I do this this way? Can I be more efficient? Can I figure out a way? It was such a puzzle. And that was ballet for me as well. It was such, I had the blocks, I had the tools and it was up to me to refine them and figure them out in my own body and my own mind, um, to improve and, um, I, I just find that so, so fascinating. It's, it's healthy competition. I know sometimes that comes with such a negative context. Um, and it is nice to have a little healthy competition in your relationship, right? I mean, Self-competition is a yeah. good thing. Right. Yeah. You want to improve yourself, but yeah. competition with others. I lost my taste for that after high school. I really turned to individual sports, yeah. running, swimming, all the things that I could do on my own and beat my own records and try to do better for myself, but not competing against anyone else. I lost my drive for that. He was an amazing football player. I mean, he got a scholarship to go to one of the best, well, Wisconsin, uh, University of Wisconsin mm. for, uh, football, but. I turned it down. I just wasn't into uh, team sports going into college, especially football. It's such rough on your body. I didn't oh. want to beat myself up anymore. And uh, 
I, I turned to music, actually. I, I, I changed my focus. It was a beautiful thing to study music and movement at the same time. Oh, absolutely. And music yeah. and what we do mm-hmm. plays such a role. And I know that can be so intimidating for people. And kind of, I break it down of like, okay, if you can learn a squat, you can learn a plie. If you listen to music, you certainly can learn it. You don't need to be a scholar to learn these things. Sometimes we kind of get trapped in that notion of, oh, I have to study X amount of years in order to be able to speak upon something or understand it. And so for Elizabeth, for you as a dancer, it's in you, right? You're being taught in a repetitive way. You're not necessarily being taught your abdominals or your quadriceps. Like you're not learning your anatomy. You're learning it in uh, an experiential way. And so Fred, how did you kind of see any interesting differences when you were going through physical education of like, well, how does she know this? But maybe she wasn't able to put the same words to it. And how did you see those two worlds support each other? Well, that's a really great question, Mm -hmm. Michelle. I mean, you know, when I went to school for physical education and the curriculum that I learned, um, there was a lot of detail, anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, sports medicine, study of movement, that kind of thing, which even today, when we do teacher trainings and Mm -hmm. we have to explain the why of why we do something, I always base it on functional fitness and exercise science Mm -hmm. to make sure that what we're doing any exercise professional would say, yeah, that's the right thing to do. And in the history of bar, there were a lot of things that were not so great in the Mm -hmm. very beginning. So Liz, uh, who was taught, you know, pure bar technique, Lottie Burke method. Not not the company pure bar, but you know. Yes, the original, yeah. Your original technique. Mm -hmm. Uh, Over the years, once we started to mature in the bar community and we started to see that what we were doing wasn't necessarily having a great effect on people. Mm-hmm. We, we took a step back when we left Lottie Burke Method and we created Exhale, right. our company that we created the entire movement program for Exhale and bar teacher training and a dozen DVDs and whatever. But before we, we embarked on that, we pulled back and really ran our curriculum through the mill with exercise professionals. Mm-hmm. And we decided to to minimize things like pelvic tuck, grip, squeeze, pulse, all of those words that when they're overdone, it leads you down the wrong road for your body. And a neutral spine and range of motion. And Mm -hmm. as Liz mentioned earlier, alignment and position are more important than the actual movement itself. Or how many reps you do, how long you stay in a stretch, right? It's important, as you know, from, from dance, it, the, you know, you can't do 32 forte turns if you're not in the correct position and alignment right. of your body. Right. So that was a big, um, you know, rollover for me from my ballet days and the music. I mean, my, I'm, my musical background obviously was more classical and my mother loved opera and the ballet, um, you know, where Fred was a little more jazz and jazz standards. But um, it's, it's really important to, uh, have a class that is balanced. It's okay mm. to pulse. It's okay to tuck under, but we need to have that in conjunction with, okay, neutral spine, back extension. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's so interesting that somehow we'll get into, you transitioned beautifully into how you got into the bar world and exhale. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but it's so interesting that you bring these things up because somehow bar got stuck in a way. I come from dance and then I found Pilates while I was in university and 
changed my whole way of how I approached dancing for my body, being able to, you know, not cheat things in a way. Like I, it was not good. Certain things, certain techniques that I was taught. It's aesthetic. Ballet is aesthetic and they're not things you should do long-term because they're going to do crazy things to your body, right? Like just getting your leg up by your head, you have to touch your pelvis, right? So like you keep doing that and you do this extreme turnout, it's going to repetitive movements, going to cause injury. And I'm just so fascinated that moving into Pilates, you know, there was that big move. I trained classically, uh, with Ramana's students and, um, you know, the flat spine to the mat, it, it has gone away. And then somehow bar got stuck in that modern dance pelvic talk. And there's so much resistance and maybe because of the kitschy terms or like there's such love for it that I'm so surprised that it's stuck around for so long because movements evolution and, you know, music is evolution. You're talking about classical music compared to jazz. I mean, that you have to know your classics to be able to uh, variant and I love that. I say that all the time in our bar class. Yes. The classics first in order to go out and do your other activities. Yeah. And we totally, I mean, that's where bar variations comes from like that. The whole name is wrapped up in that and just knowing it's okay. It's okay to know where it came from and certain things are okay, but it's also okay to, we know more now we know more about anatomy and we know more about injuries and that. And so, um, I love how you guys explained kind of that, how the physiology met with the dance. And so when was it that you two transitioned into the bar world and was it together or was it a one and then a follow? So I, I started the, uh, the journey yeah. back in, I, I will date myself. I'm not ashamed of it. So, uh, June 20th, 1980, right? Yeah. I, was at the Hartford Ballet and um, and that's where I had my dance education. They had an incredible program there. And then I, it was time to move to New York to try, you know, to continue on in the dance world. And of course, at that point, you have to supplement yourself with something, another job. And I thought, you know, let me just teach exercise. Let me teach movement. And back in 1980, there wasn't much to choose from at all. There was really Lottie Burke method. Aerobics was not even um, in the picture yet. And Jane Fonda, right? Yeah, but Jane Fonda was even just, yeah, just so starting. It was just starting in 1983, Jane Fonda 82. But I thought, let me just I looked at this ad in the New York Times and said, you know, dance exercise studio looking for teachers, ballet background preferred. And I said, oh great. I applied. I took my first audition class and it was, I couldn't walk down the steps. And here I am, you know, thinking I'm in the best shape ever. <laughs> Of course, right? Coming <laughs> and uh, I couldn't get out of bed the next day, and I got a call, and they asked me to come back, and they hired me, and I just loved it because I loved the technique. Because as you know, uh, Lottie Burke, Lottie Burke herself, London Lottie Burke Studio, she was a modern dancer. And she had a back injury and she was trained with Mary Bigmon, who was precursor Martha Graham. Um, and thus you see pretzel, which is around the backs and Graham and curl, yeah. which is pleadings in Graham in class. And um, through her back injury, she um, went to physios and doctors and developed uh, three essential 
back therapy exercises within her class. So it was very orthopedic. It was actually called Rehabilitative Studio when Lottie first started. Fast forward, Lydia Bach brought that early 70s to New York City. Lydia Bach is the one who really sort of catapulted um, the first bar boutique fitness studio in the United States and probably in the world besides London. Leave it to the Americans, right? We're like, oh, we found something good and here we go, right? So I had the pleasure of meeting Esther as well. And it's, you know, it it's still like wrapped up in this gem of like this small town that she's in. And and uh, so I'm like, oh God, it's so American to be like, oh, we found this great thing. <laughs> and Lydia, you know, Lydia studied with, with Lottie herself yeah. where they were like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, it, Lydia really got the essence of Lottie's technique and worked with her, you know, for many years. And when she brought it to the United States, she named it after Lottie because she was enamored by what Lottie was doing in London. Now, back then it was only a 45 minute class. There was no stretching. And so I may be going off on a tangent, but I find this so okay. fascinating part of history. And Lydia said, let me add some stretches to this. And open up on the Upper East Side, 67th and Madison, and make it very um, sort of elite and cultish in some way, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And she was filled instantly because you know a lot of the um, celebrities, high-end clientele from London, of course, traveled to New York as well. Instant success. And then I joined 10 years later, Lydia was already established. I came in 1980. And it was for women only at that point. Fred and I were dating. He wasn't even allowed in the in the building. And I was teaching group fitness, New York Health and Racket yeah. Club, private personal training, and playing music as a professional musician. Mm. And that was our life. After I taught physical education, I was doing group fitness. But I, she, I said, "Show me what you're doing over there." <laughs> and she would take me through some of the exercises, and I was blown away. I really yeah. was blown away by how hard they were, how effective it was. And the, just the details, because I was detail oriented with movement at that time. And I knew that I had to do this, Yeah, but I wasn't allowed. Yeah, it's so, I mean, and that was like the beginning of women's only things. Like fitness really took, I mean, if we're going to talk about women's movement, like it really took the personal lives and social lives of women to another level. Like people forget that didn't exist before 1980. You weren't going out with your friends to go work out and then whatever. you like, maybe you got lunch and that was about it. <laughs> but now there's an activity to get strong. Exactly. And I remember Lydia was saying, it was so funny. A woman said, what is this on my arm? And Lydia said, that's called sweat. That's called sweat. But, but also it was funny. Women at, in 1971 were not um, allowed to participate in the New York City Marathon. Mm. So this was really a big a, a, a huge big, cultural shift huge cultural change and not allowing men inside so I'll transition so Fred can go a little more detail there so we decided to get married because I was offered to open up a Lottie Burke method in Los Angeles many celebrities wanted us out there so we said okay I'll do it you know Lydia said would you like to go and I said sure and I said Fred what do you think he goes sure I think well, now we can get married no <laughs> We were like, I won, I did it. <laughs> Planned works. <laughs> and I thought I could play music out west. Totally. A nice great town for music. And 
I was teaching physical education. I could do it out there. And I, I hooked up with a couple of parochial schools with a third party that put teachers in schools. Yeah. So I taught a couple days a week. I was running around doing auditions, playing music. Meanwhile, she's getting the Lottie Burke method up and running in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Which there was no studio there. There was except Karen Voigt. And then we, um, I need to go back to New York to help um, with the New York studio and the Bridgehampton studio here. And I said, Fred, we're going to go back. We can, what about thinking going back to New York? He said, okay, we're going to go back to New York. And at that point. No, I was a little annoyed. <laughs> it's like, sounded like it didn't go. I was, annoyed. I was just getting my own personal <laughs> career off the ground. And now yeah. she's going to be, and I said to Lydia, I said, what am I supposed to do now? And yeah. she said, well, how much are you making? And I told her, and she said, I'll pay you that much and you can be a part of Lottie Burke behind the scenes. Not in the studio because no, no one you're still not allowed in. I did bookkeeping, payroll. I'm a good man, Fred, you're a good man. I painted every room in that studio. I did everything that could be done without the women knowing that I was a part of it. Oh and then goodness. one day, and then one day, uh, one of our major teachers left and we all taught six classes a day, six days a week. Sure. Back then. And Fred, Lydia and I looked at each other. So there was a big hole in the schedule all of a sudden. And actually it was at the front desk. Well, one of the people oh, yeah. in the front desk left oh, overnight. And we had the whole morning front desk shift to fill. And uh, it was a hard decision for her because she said, okay, mate, Fred, would you go in there with a blue blazer and a white shirt and you look really preppy because these women have to accept you. So I had a big Afro and I had a big bushy beard. Great. And so I'm sitting behind the desk. These women are walking with, who's this guy? Well, it's Liz's husband. Okay, acceptable. he must be safe. Mm -hmm. And so that was my tiptoe into the studio. Now you have to to understand the scenario, Michelle. This is just so funny, the brownstone, right? Here's the front desk where Fred was sitting. The locker room is here. To the left. And the bathroom's to the right. The bathroom's to the right. So the women walk in front of the desk not always dressed. Yes. It's very New York city. Uh, I remember my first time steps on Broadway and my mom dropped me off. I think it was like eight. She's like, okay, you're going to go take class. And I'm like, Oh, everyone's naked. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> they were so used to that. They weren't going to change their habits because no. I was there. A man was there. So that's you were intruding. He's safe. My cheeks were always beat red because I never knew what was going to happen in front of me. <laughs> Oh, Fred, this locker won't open. Can I come back? Is everybody dressed? No, we're not dressed, but come back anyway. Type teasing of me. That's so funny. Then the classroom situation opened and I had to step in to teach. And my first, my first, te- I, would, I was probably the first male bar teacher you in are, the world. You are the most. Oh, hands first. down. Hands yeah. Down. So I went in there to teach and none of the women would take my class. I had one woman come in to take my class. They were totally like freaked out that I was in there. Only takes but, one. Only takes little one. by little. I was accepted, and then I became Liz and I became the most popular teachers there, and we just took off with the program. We built the program, and then it was an opportunity for us to work with Lydia uh, to re re retool the program. We started to Innovative. add more gender neutral. Like Fred, you're the experimental white mo- mouse here. How's it going for your? Bu- I never felt better. Mm-hmm. I would take classes with these women who were, I was in my early twenties. These women were in their mid fifties, sixties. 
They did everything impeccably. I was soaking wet, shaking, could not extend. I thought I was in good shape. I was, yeah. couldn't do any of it. Well, and that hip work is so unique. And I think Barr really brought that kind of leg work to the scene of fitness. You know, it wasn't just about your butt anymore. It was the whole hip area and coming from modern dance. That's what I studied, um, when I was at school and performed that pretzel position, you sit in that for a while, like that is hugely hip opening and very difficult, right? So a lot of these movements are taking your body out of what it's normally quote unquote, right? We're so frontal, we're walking, we're hanging out front and really using the body in a full 360 way, much like Pilates. I don't love always comparing it, but kind of parallel, right? You know, you have Joseph Pilates hanging out with Graham and obviously Graham came from Mary Vigman and, you know, so it's, it's all connected. And I love that as well, because you see how people get influenced by different things. Um, I already know we can talk like for days and days. So I am going to skip ahead. I'm like, oh man, I got. But also, you think about the pretzel, right? Yeah. Pretzel was the is the warm up in Martha Graham technique. Yes, yes, and I love saying that to my trainees of like, they're like, well, where did this come from? Like, flat back. I mean, you're seeing these movements now being brought in that have sculpted dancers with no props, with no additional weights or resistance. Props are fun. Props are great. I use them, but you really can build strength in your body um, by just moving it in ways that you don't normally in your day, like extension, you said before, right? So you were with Lydia's studio for a while. Let's talk exhale. Exhale is huge. And for the listeners who don't know about exhale, it's a spot. It's a fitness center. I want to say it's kind of the first of its kind, very high end and melding the spa and fitness experience. And can you share how that partnership came to be? Sure. Well, we were at Lottie Burke for 22 years. Wow. Yeah. And then um, one night in 2000, or was it 2000? Well, even before I met the founder of Exhale, she was a student in our classes. Right. Okay. She, yeah. she came up to me after one class and approached me to talk with her and, and Liz about this idea. But prior to that, Liz and I were running at the end of our rope with Lydia and Lottie Burke method mm-hmm. simply because Lydia did not want to expand. She wanted to keep New York City, Bridgehampton, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And we knew we had something very special that we wanted to share with the world. The, the movement itself. Yes. Was and so genius. when we had the opportunity to start a new business, we took the opportunity. And uh, it was it was uh, the four of us who started Exhale back in 2002. So, yeah. so Fred and I were the movement fitness component and Two other women, uh, one of them being Ann Beth, who mm-hmm. um, was one of our students, were the spa end. And she still is a student. And she still is a student. Yeah, we love her. Yeah. And what's really great, you're right. You're so right that with that observation, Michelle, back in 2002, this was the first meshing of having the best movement program and having the best spa therapies mesh together under one roof and coining the word mind body. Hmm. Um, we were the innovators in, in coining that term. And we were so excited because now we have the opportunity to expand this across the country. And um, we cooked in the kitchen out here, started with our classes, and then uh, opened up on Madison and 76, right? Perfect location, 10 blocks up in 2002. 
and um, continue to expand and grow to 26 locations internationally, mm-hmm. Turks and Caicos and, and Bermuda. And um, we were there 17 years. Well, that so was... we, we ran the program. We did all, we trained hundreds of teachers oh. for exhale. Yeah. We mm-hmm. trained thousands, even hundreds more with the exhale bar teacher training program that we created. And we went nationwide with that and we held live trainings. Yeah, we held live trainings in many different places and trained a lot of teachers in our technique. Um, And we had now the ability with Exhale to change the technique a little. We talked about the tuck, the grip, squeeze, the pulse. We still tuck with our technique, but maybe 20% of the time instead of 90% of the time. Sure. You know, we work more neutral spine now for almost everything, but we still use it. And, and, but we, now we do, you know, we'll lie on our stomach and do back extension. We were never allowed to do that at Lottie Burke method. Yeah. So we're always doing now counter poses to the poses to bring balance to the program and the workout. So that's, was our evolution at exhale. I love it. It seems like such a theme for the two of you is this evolvement and, you know, the self-improvement and the betterment. And I love that the two of you are doing it together. That's a hard thing to do in any relationship and having grown with, you know, a company together and then with another company exhale, starting that, why was it important for you to create another program core bar fit? Pandemic. <laughs> there you go, baby. <laughs> Thanks pandemic. <laughs> it was a pandemic baby pivot. It was a pivot. But we got shut down and we couldn't teach indoors anymore. We left New York City. We left our apartment. We came out to our home here in Bridgehampton. We camped out. Liz was teaching virtual private training and doing a lot of stuff online. I think we have to backtrack one second. Part of the the history, uh, Michelle, then, you know, amazing what we, you know, what we, the opportunity we had at Exhale. Uh, Hyatt bought Exhale in 2017, I believe. And then um, things started to shift in a good way, but then also, you know, there was big, big shakeups and um, I moved on. My position was eliminated, but it was actually good timing because now, you know, with our creative minds, now what's next? Mm-hmm. So excited. Mm-hmm. So I started, to, I started teaching privates and private classes virtually before Fred, before the pandemic really struck 100%. And uh, enjoying it, of course, is different than in person, but it was, uh, or still is, it's, a, it, it's amazing how many people we can touch now, mm. quote unquote, and be involved with because we did train a lot of teachers internationally, and we were the first bar studio or bar technique to say, okay, we train teachers for exhale for our, our own company, but as bar was starting to explode, we're educators and we wanted to educate, we wanted to share what we what we've learned, you know, for almost 40 years with as many people as we could. And a lot of the bars, you know, boutique bar studios were looking at us, are they crazy? They're sharing all their like secrets. I said, it's not a secret. Yeah, Lydia was very much about oh, I guys, right? I created a manual that I put out in the world, and people were like, How dare you? And I was like, uh-uh, how dare you tell me. That I can't share what we love so much because as a dancer, we yeah. learn from our master teachers and we're told and given that empowerment to share, to make it our own and to go out and put your voice out into it. So I was just so shocked in the 
fitness and bar particularly, because Pilates is the same yoga, not so much, it's a little bit more uh, open in that freedom of expression. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like that has I, a whole history, Michelle, too. I think that's that, another that, conversation. That's, and that all stems back from Lottie Burke days. We yeah. even the 360 when we left to exhale. We opened our doors to all the teachers. Yeah, I and love then, it. No one did. But oh, anyway, we evolved yeah. through exhale. We I and a lot of our competitors, people that we've trained, I won't mention names, but they opened their own studios big and names. some big franchises, would they had our teachers' faces laminated in a book yeah, with their names. Like so mm. our teachers were spotted, they were kicked out. They were not allowed to take class in the competitor studio. Yeah, I mean, that was going on when I started another program 10 years ago, I wasn't even allowed as a Pilates teacher to go and take class. I was shocked. Again, being a dancer, I can go take anybody's classes. I can go and get a piece of gems from anybody yeah. that had open space and it just, is so mind boggling to me. And I mean, it took me a while to get the confidence to put, put my, uh, you know, voice out there, but it's, um, you know, kudos. It's a hard thing to do, especially when, uh, everybody else is like, what are you doing? What's going like, let's share, right? Share and learn, Michelle. That's That's what we were. That was our mission to share and learn and educate. And I came to the point where every time I walked into a bar studio, cause it was convenient, I would say, Hi, very transparent. It's Elizabeth Halfpap. I'm from Exhale. If you don't mind, I'd love to take class. It's just for me. But you know, let me know if you feel uncomfortable with that. I'm not here to hide anything. And they would look, oh my God, okay, take class. Yeah. In some, yeah. Cases. In some cases. And I love like teaching my trainings and I get everybody from everywhere. And I'm like, Yes. I'm like, tell me where you're from. Like, I want to know who you're teaching for. It's okay. It's okay to take what I have and bring it to your studio, even bring it to your franchise because that's happening because there's a need for just more voices and more uh, points of view and experience to enrich someone else's own teaching. And so when you're teaching classes, either I'll do like a two-part one, like to the public and to your trainees, um, what is something you like to leave them with at the end of each class or at the end of each training? Oh, that's so good that you would ask that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we finish a class, we end, we, we lie in Shavasana for two minutes before we do the final stretch, which comes from Peter Goscu from San Diego. He's a really well-known therapist. And when I was suffering from overuse at Lottie, I studied his technique, which was lie down for a moment, breathe and let all your muscles relax, then stretch. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. And in that little period of two minutes, we impart wisdom, we impart Mm -hmm. uh, well-being, gratitude, blessings, focus on, you know, you did something good, self-love, especially in this era that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. So we like to leave people with a a feeling of, of being uplifted. We always end with a song that you can dance to. Great. And so when we're on screen saying goodbye, I'm in the background pumping. You know, and so people leave happy. We're clapping. From Jersey, we got a fist pump at the end. You can't, it can't be too quiet. Exactly. Very joyful. And Core Bar Fit has given us this platform worldwide. We have people from South America, Asia, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, Canada. All these are all former trainees of ours. South Africa. They're all tuning in, and that's why we love virtual classes. We created a book called The Bar Fitness, 
And that bar fitness book is a Bible for a lot of our trainees mm -hmm. available on Amazon. And people have that and they come in and, and these trainees will come in just to tap into our energy because Liz and I, we feel so blessed with our life and so blessed with what we have. We exude that when we teach and stay very up and positive. I love it. I love it. I'm going to do two rapid fire. These are also two questions I ask everybody at the end of the podcast. The first one is heard at the bar. So something that you've either heard students or trainees, something that you heard that's you know is true or something that is somewhat a myth. So the general one is like, oh, bar is for women. And we know that's not true, right? So is there something that maybe you've heard lately, people chatting about or um, along your journey that you want to debunk or you'd like to ring true? Oh, great question. Wow. Well, a lot of people are intimidated about how hard it is. Mm -hmm. And so we get that sometimes where people want to come into the class but they're afraid. Yeah. And you know, they're afraid of what they're whether they can do it or not. And so there's there's a fear factor. And we hear that a lot. My friend wants to come, but yeah, and there's a visual component to that too. So we're hearing a lot. I know I'm hearing a lot these days. Oh, I'm not small and blonde like you. I can't do that. And it's like, well, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't see anybody else doing more. I just did it. I never had that mindset that I had to like I just did things I like to do we're all different, but I'm hearing that a lot. Like if I didn't look a certain way, I couldn't take class. I wasn't skinny enough. I wasn't strong enough. And so that plays into that same thing you're saying, Fred, and we're here to say it's not true people. <laughs> also what a lot of people say, oh, you know, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in yeah. my life, but right. I'm coming back tomorrow. If this, I love that because I say the same thing. I say, if this is the hardest thing you have to do today. Woo, we did it. That is a good life right there, right? Well, we send a quote out to the people too. I have a patented quote that I that bubbled up. I won't even tell you how, but if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Oh. And we try to instill that in people. Mm -hmm. And we have people that will work with one-on-one -on -one off is so that we can give them some of the basics if they need a little jump start. And we allow them to take the class with their camera turned off yeah. so that they can listen to the cues and do the best. This way they're not embarrassed. But also it's important what we've with our uh, core bar fit is that we make sure the class is inclusive of everyone, you know, teaching in progression, Michelle, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, the setup, everyone can pretty much do the setup, get in the position and then, okay, we start to move then next level, next level. So everyone feels part of the community and the yeah. and the injury modification. Modification. Yeah. So important. Offering yeah. options. Yeah. And that's, part of our, that's part of our training is the, you know, the teachers need to know why, how do you modify for knees or lower back, or mm -hmm. knees, whatever pregnancy without yeah. that training, it's hard to include everybody instead of just, it, it is very hard. The hardest class to teach is an open level and that takes time, right? It yeah. takes time for people to gain all those little tools. I always say to people now that I'm pregnant again, I'm like, come take my class. Cause, uh, I'm not doing a lot of anything. So. <laughs> You want to you start at the beginning, now's the time. And then afterwards, definitely now's the time again. Because <laughs> it's slow going. I was like, oh, I can't plank anymore. Darn, darn. <laughs> the thigh work. Exactly. And it helps. It definitely helps. Um, last question for you. 
this is a fun one. It's what's in your bar, your B-A-R. So we've expanded it to coffee bar, snack bar. It can be your cocktail bar. It could be your energy bar, bar, whatever your go-to kind of like what's in your bag, the old like Cosmo yeah, yeah. question. This is that. So what's in on your bar? Our, on our core bar fit Instagram page, we posted a little video. I did a little video of yeah. bar to bar and we did the bar. And then we walked over to the bar. Great. Like me, you know, I'm Italian, so I drink wine almost with every meal. Okay. Uh, Liz likes rose. And, you know, I like a good single malt scotch. So I go from bar to bar. I work hard and then I relax and play hard. And, yeah, you know, that's very like, Italian. I'm in my very... 60s. I, I'm allowed to do that. You know, that's absolutely. That's you got to enjoy Liz, it. Liz has a different bar, though. Her tea bar. Her tea. Yeah. And her so dessert. I, I like my tea bar I like I do fresh brewed tea because I traveled to India for many years mm. and I just love the flavor of you know fresh brewed tea and I have a pot going all day long love so it. it's my tea bar and with my tea bar and she's an amazing baker yeah. she makes amazing desserts. I know Elizabeth I follow you and I'm like girl I am <laughs> I better eat something bars. before I go to her page because it's so good and you just like that they're so sweet and like oh look what I made you guys are so inspiring. You, I could literally, again, talk to you for hours and ask you so many more questions. Um, so great to meet you guys and to get to know you. And thanks for just being so honest and open about your journey with everyone that's listening today. So before you guys leave, can you tell everybody where they can find and follow you um, if they haven't heard it already? We are at corebarfit.com. And any email to info at corebarfit.com will personally get back. If somebody needs help getting involved, we'll walk them through it. And so corebarfit.com is where you can find us. We teach virtual live stream classes six days a week. And we send recordings of classes if people can't make the time. So we're available. And Great. I'd love to add one more thing to the listeners. Yes. This is when we started BAR back in 1980, when I first started teaching, there was only one technique. Now we are so thrilled. I, it was my dream come true to see how the bar industry has now become its own genre like yoga and Pilates. Mm. And to everyone out there, keep on doing what you're doing. Let's continue learning from each other and growing together because it's really something special that we have all created from this little gem that started in London and 23 East 67th Street. I love it. I thank you for saying that because I, I, this, I use this podcast to shout out. I'm like, somebody create a workshop about blah, blah, blah. Or I'm like, somebody do that. <laughs> it's always my call out. I'm like, I want more. Um, so again, thank you for the, being in the spirit. Uh, the bar variations catchphrases. There's plenty of room at the bar. So thank you for joining me here today. And so good. Thanks. Michelle, congratulations for such an amazing platform that you've created. I know it's a lot of work, but you have a great following and you do a really good justice to the bar industry. So kudos to you. Keep up the great work. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to write into this podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at barvariations. And you can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com, where you can find show notes, archived episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.